This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. The EPA will likely move towards regulating PFOA and PFOS, but there will continue to be a need for moving those two chemicals, as well as all the other PFAS chemicals, using point of use and point of entry technology. That's Eric Yegi, WQA's Technical Affairs Director, discussing his top three challenges for the water treatment industry in 2019. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. You can find us at wqa.org, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. This is podcast number 103. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. In this episode, we'll hear from Eric as he gazes into his crystal ball, looking at the contaminants and regulations we might see in the coming year. We'll also talk about how the water treatment industry is positioned to address those challenges. Later, I'll have our WQA tip, how you can take that extra step towards success in 2019. Now on to my conversation with Eric Yegi on WQA Radio. Eric, Happy New Year. Nice to have you on WQA Radio. Happy New Year. Glad to be back. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, some of the things that you are going to be looking at for 2019, top challenges. But let's look back, first of all, and take a look back at 2018. And give me a sense, Eric, if you could, please, as you look at the technical challenges facing the drinking water treatment industry, what what stood out for you in 2018? So PFAS, or per- and polyfluorinated alkyl substances, turned out to be a much bigger issue in 2018 than anyone anticipated. This is a very large class of compounds. Several thousand different PFAS chemicals are believed to be in use and could eventually be found in our drinking water. Most of the research so far has focused on two chemicals, PFOA and PFOS which those two were actually phased out of use here in the U.S. by 2018, but they're still showing up in our drinking water samples that have been collected all across the country. The chemicals do bioaccumulate in the body, and while we know there's a serious health risk associated with PFOA and PFOS, we know a lot less about the health risks associated with other PFOS chemicals or about the cumulative health risks associated with simultaneous exposure to multiple different PFAS chemicals. Because there are so many of these chemicals in use and the persistence in the environment, it is likely that we will continue finding the PFAS chemicals in our drinking water in the future. All right. So that was the main topic of 2018 in your mind? Okay. Yeah, definitely. So as you look ahead then to 2019, can you give us what you think would be the top three challenges? that we can look for in the year ahead? Sure. Chloride discharge issues are going to continue to be a challenge for our industry. Chloride levels seem to be rising in the environment and we need to continue working proactively to reduce chloride discharge from softeners so that consumers can continue to have access to the benefits of softened water. 
I also believe researchers will continue to find more PFAS chemicals in the water in 2019. It seems unlikely that this entire class of chemicals, which we know so little about, can be regulated through the Safe Drinking Water Act anytime soon. The EPA will likely move towards regulating PFOA and PFOS, but there will continue to be a need for removing those two chemicals as well as all the other PFAS chemicals using point of use and point of entry technology. And then of course lead is a problem that will continue to stay with us through 2019 and beyond. Here in the Chicago area we have between 100,000 and 200,000 lead service lines still in use. It will be many decades before all of those lines can be removed from service and point of view solutions continue to be one of the best ways for consumers to protect themselves from lead that is picked up either through contact with lead service lines or lead in the premise plumbing and fixtures of the home. Yeah, those numbers, especially when it comes to the amount of pipe and water mains and infrastructure that would have to be replaced, certainly are amazingly uh, large. Yeah, so uh, to recap, I, I would say the three big challenges then, chloride discharge, PFAS, and lead. All right. Well, then how are our members, the water treatment industry, as you see it, positioned to address, and I, I got a little bit of that from your last response, but how are we positioned to address these challenges? So regarding the chloride, we know how to re reduce the chloride discharge from softeners using high efficiency softeners, or even by optimizing uh, existing softeners. WQA has helped to develop and facilitate training events on this topic. By working proactively to reduce the chloride levels coming from softeners, we can ensure that consumers will continue to have access to the benefits of softening and soft water. And then on the topic of PFAS chemicals, there are three different treatment technologies which have been independently tested to remove PFAS chemicals. WQA tested RO systems through a collaborative research project with the Minnesota Department of Public Health. Those systems which were tested can be found on our website and WQA can also direct members to the study report. NSF has developed a protocol for testing and certification of carbon filters, which are capable of removing some PFAS chemicals, especially the long chain or sulfonated PFAS chemicals. And then lastly, the Water Research Foundation, or the WRF, has funded independent testing of anion exchange technology for the removal of PFAS chemicals. And then with lead, um, because lead is finding its way into our drinking water through contact with lead service lines or contact with the premise plumbing, point of use treatment systems such as filters and undercounter RO systems continue to be an effective consumer protection strategy. Some municipalities have even started providing filters to their consumers when there are construction activities planned which might disturb and or mobilize lead sediment that has previously settled into the bottom of pipes and plumbing. Well, that's encouraging then because um, we've got these issues out there, we've got these challenges out there, but what you're saying is there are answers that the water treatment industry can provide. Yes, absolutely. All right, Eric Yegi, our Technical Affairs Director, uh, talking with us here on WQA Radio. And Eric, what are some of the areas maybe that are below the radar which may get more attention in the coming year? So manganese is a contaminant that members might want to pay attention to next year. In early 2019, Canada is expected to release a national health guideline of 
0.12 milligrams per liter for total manganese in drinking water, along with a lower aesthetic objective of 0.02 milligrams per liter. This will create demand for point of use and point of entry treatment options, which can effectively remove manganese, especially since many of the small systems in Canada actually rely on point of use or point of entry treatment in order to provide safe drinking water for their residents. I believe you may also see a stronger push for professional certification and specialty licenses in the years to come. As public health officials become more familiar with the benefits of point of use and point of entry treatment options, they are incorporating these technologies into their strategic planning, as we talked about with the filter handouts. At the same time, I see them putting more focus on the need to ensure proper configuration and installation. As they are learning about the benefits of point of use and point of entry technologies, they are also concerned about what can go wrong and about finding ways to prevent those types of mistakes. So engaging a well-trained water treatment professional in the process of configuration and installation is one way they can minimize the potential for mistakes and unexpected consequences. All right, so um, you are also the WQA staff liaison for the WQA Water Sciences Committee. That committee is obviously looking at a lot of these kinds of issues. What, what are they going to be focused on, especially when it comes to convention in April? So WQRF research will be a major area of focus at our convention for the Water Sciences Committee. There are several research task forces which report to the Water Sciences Committee, and during our convention meeting in April, all of those task forces will be providing updates and preliminary reports back to the committee. One such study, for example, is the benchmarking of emerging technologies for scale prevention. This research is being conducted by Virginia Tech, and they will have some preliminary data to report at convention. Kelly Reynolds from the University of Arizona is working on household point of use filters as a tool for long-term large volume monitoring of tap water. Essentially this study uh, that Kelly's working on aims to use point of use filters to collect water quality data and then to use that data to extrapolate human health risks that could otherwise have been avoided using a final barrier strategy with point of use and point of entry treatment. And then uh, George Zhao from Purdue University is researching emerging contaminant removal using point of use and point of entry technologies. For example, Dr. Zhao will be studying the removal of some of those PFAS chemicals that have not previously been studied. There's also many other exciting studies happening through the WQRF and members can get the latest updates on all the WQRF studies by attending the Water Sciences Committee meeting. All right, so it sounds like you have your work cut out for you. What else, uh, by way of convention, as long as we're on the topic, uh, education sessions. Uh, what, uh, what education sessions will be pos helping to position our attendees and members uh, to deal with the challenges? Sure. There will be a track on Tuesday morning, actually, April 23rd, the day after my birthday, covering the <laughs> chloride issue. The track will include a panel discussion by industry members who have successfully addressed chloride issues in their area, and the track will close out with a session on the business considerations of dealing with chloride initiatives. There will also be a track on Tuesday morning covering PFAS treatment options, and then finally there's going to be numerous products on display at the exhibit which are capable of remo removing PFAS and lead. And there will also be high-efficiency softener systems on display, which dealers can leverage to proactively mitigate 
chloride discharge issues in their area. All right, and I'll just throw one other one in there, and that's the consumer opinion study will be released this year, and that will be interesting to see what the consumer perceptions of some of these various issues are that you've been talking about uh, are, are will be for them. So that'll that will be a good resource tool to have for the year ahead. And then finally, Eric, what uh, what resources are there for some of these subjects and other things that uh, we can actually provide our members right now on the website? So on the topic of chloride discharge, we provide WQRF research, which demonstrates the potential to significantly reduce chloride levels by using high-efficiency softeners or by optimizing existing softeners. Beyond that, we have also provided in-depth training sessions on how to optimize softeners. We recently administered this type of training program for the city of Waukesha, Wisconsin, so that the city can work with local water treatment providers to lower their chloride discharge levels without denying people access to the benefits of water softening. And when it comes to dealing with specific contaminants such as lead or PFAS, uh, or whatever contaminant you're interested in, WQA members have access to the WQA Knowledge Base, which is a tremendous resource for information on treatment. They also have access to the Modular Education Program at discounted rates. Core and Premier members also have access to technical support through the Technical Affairs Department, and we can research the latest uh, information on any topic for them. All right, so if you are not a WQA member, this is uh, incentive, we hope, uh, for you to join. Just go to wqa.org slash membership for that. Eric Yegi, our Technical Affairs Director at WQA, thank you very much. And uh, we will be touching base with you during the course of the year. Thanks, Wes. And now our WQA tip. If you're looking to take that next step on the path towards success, we have just the right opportunity, especially if you're a dealer. I'm talking about the WQA Business Bootcamp. Get strategic planning tips and tools to take your business to that next level with a special one-day workshop, April 26th, 2019, one day after the WQA convention and exposition in Las Vegas. Topics include finance, planning for profitability, human resources, achieving results through employee engagement, leadership, developing the leader within you. You can learn more at wqa.org slash bootcamp, and you can sign up for bootcamp when you register for convention at wqa.org slash convention. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at WQA.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.